So welcome to the Independent Teacher Podcast. And on today's show, I have got Kenny Primrose. So welcome, Kenny. Thank you very much, Susan. Nice to be here. And we're going to be talking about character education. So I thought we'd just begin by you telling our listeners about your career to date. Yeah, sure. So what to say about it? I mean, so how, how have I ended up here, I guess, is the kind of question. It's been circuitous. Uh, so I'm a religious studies and philosophy teacher. So I, I did some my degrees in Scotland and then trained in London and then ended up in all sorts of different schools. So Guernsey was my first job. Um, from there, I went to Glasgow, from there to a boarding school in Dorset and Sherborne, and then up to Aberdeen to an independent day school. And I find myself now in uh, a, a big state secondary in Gateshead, where I still teach religion and philosophy, but I'm also uh, head of character education at the school. So what exactly is character education? It's a fine question. Um, I, I guess it is essentially asking, uh, what does it mean to be a good human being? Like, uh, how do you create better human beings through an institution such as a school? Uh, what does it mean to, to flourish um, as a person? And it's being quite deliberate about addressing that question um, in an educational setting. And you know, the, the, I think there's a lot behind it, behind what we mean by the word character and how we actually educate. But essentially, I, I suppose my role is to think that through and then try and implement it in whatever ways seem like they're going to have mileage and be productive. Am I right in thinking that this is something that's always interested you ever since you were sort of 18 years old and about to go off to university? That's right. So, I'm, I mean, perhaps I've been interested in it before then. I mean, I think in a sense, we're all interested in our own character development, who we're becoming, who we're maybe failing to become. But it was pronounced on a, a year out after school, I went with Rally International to Namibia. Uh, and it was it was a fantastic adventure. You know, it was uh, being let loose in the world for the first time, in a sense. But it was also very educational to me because we were um, we were in Namibia doing various projects, you know, uh, we, we didn't really know what we were doing, to be honest. We had to build the school. I'm sure they had to rebuild the school after we tried to do it. It was, it was just 18 to 25-year-olds kind of floundering around, but trying to be worthy. Um, and we had uh, people like me who were kind of on gap years. And there was also people who, uh, they called it the Youth Development Project, some of whom had very challenging backgrounds. Some of them were on probation. Uh, they had not had a great start in life. Um, and during the course of those months in Namibia, um, I think we all saw in ourselves fairly dramatic changes. Uh, some of them were just to do with confidence um, and resilience. Some of them to do with becoming more courageous, our horizons being opened, becoming more ambitious maybe. Um, and this was profound for me to watch in other people and to see in myself. And so maybe it was all the more dramatic when you had people who perhaps didn't have a huge amount of ambition or self-belief or um, felt like their horizons were fairly narrow. And by the end of that trip, um, some of whom I'm kind of vaguely in touch with now, it seemed like their perspective had been quite changed, as had their character. Uh, and so it was from then, I suppose, that I became um, really interested in what this work of character formation really is and how it's done and it seems to me like one of the one of the big questions is connecting what it means to be a good human being with how you actually do that and how you do that in an educational um educational surrounding so. that's what i'm interested in talking about now the benefits of that kind of approach in education 
for pupils and also teachers as well. You, you start with a kind of um, a vision, uh, a vision of what it means to live well. Uh, and you have certain virtues that you think are going to support human flourishing. And they might be compassion or resilience or, um, you know, courage or humility and really good things, um, I think. And for students, th th it's an intrinsic good, isn't it? All of these, a lot of the things we do in school feel like an instrumental good. So you're doing one thing in order to prepare you for a future and then you do the future and you do another thing. Working on these virtues is just good in and of itself. It will pay off in the future too, but it's just good to do. And students learn to, to kind of flourish through it. Uh, I think it's good for them to chart their own progress, to become a little bit introspective of who, about who they're becoming and who they want to become. Um, and yeah, I think that's a win for everyone. It's a win for them. It's a win for their families. It's a, it's a win for the communities and the societies they're part of. If, if you could take people from wherever place A is, um, you know, where maybe these virtues are not so well cultivated or a vision of what the good life is doesn't really exist. And guide them through um, to thinking about it, to working on themselves, doing some inner work on themselves um, to a place where they are, I suppose, a more fulfilled uh, version of themselves, that they're able to, um, to fulfill their potential. And for, for teachers, I think the same is true in a sense that if we are talking about these virtues, if we're trying to um, build them in our students, then we need to role model them. Uh, and if we really believe these are important, these are good things, these are going to lead to flourishing, then we believe it for ourselves as well. So it's a good challenge. But it also gives us a rubric for working with students. So rather than telling students off for an infraction of one rule or another, if our rules, our expectations for students are predicated on some vision of kind of, I suppose, human flourishing um, or, you know, character development is, is a great way to begin that conversation with a student. Um, so, it, it, and the, what's also true is as students become uh, kind of more compassionate and um, take more responsibility and so on, these, these character things you're trying to build them, you should get better students. Everything should improve. You're starting with the, um, you know, the, the, the fundamental building blocks of, of behavior um, and you're trying to go deep with it. So I think it's a win for pupils and a win for teachers. It gives a kind of clarity of purpose and vision. Is it easier to introduce it with students than it is with staff, do you think? <laughs> um, um, good question. Um, so I don't know. I think... I think there's a sense, and maybe you'll get some uh, some feedback on your show on this. I think there's a sense that staff actually would quite like to engage in kind of character. It's quite an attractive idea, isn't it? Uh, at least I've always found it an attractive idea. The, the truth of it is that schools are going to shape people whether they mean to or not. So institutions invariably shape who we become. And so we might as well become deliberate about doing that. And I, I, for me, that was a, that's like an easy sell. Right. If you, you, you can either have a list of rules that's just about having people behave in a certain way so that you can get through the day, so you can get through the year and get them exam results, or you can go a bit deeper with it and say, we're, well, we're, we're forming human beings in this place. What does that mean? What do we want it to mean? And how do we want to go about it? When that's explained, when, it's, when you know, the thinking is kind of parsed out, 
it seems like a no-brainer to me. Like, of course you should be doing that. That that seems like you're going to have a, a very good foundation for your um for for your ethos, for the things that the rules, the expectations that flow out of that, um, with a with a kind of I suppose clear and worthwhile goal in sight that doesn't feel like a a production line, but is actually trying to invest in young people in a really productive way. You've actually gone on and done an MA in character education, haven't you, at the University of Birmingham? Do you think that helped you? Because obviously you're really passionate about it. Has that changed you in any way or has it informed your approach in any way? Um, well, I, I, I hope this time next year, um, I could say I have done an MA, but right now I'm in my <laughs> third year of it. So I'm in the, the throes of the dissertation. Um, the last couple of years, it's obviously a challenge because work is busy. Everyone mm. knows that our, we, we have very little spare time. Um, but it has been, I suppose, a, a labour of love. Like I am getting to grips with a whole body of literature and thinkers that I didn't really know existed. Uh, and a, a, a fraternity that, that wants to see this done well um, a series of resources that are that I wouldn't have come upon had I not started an MA but it also has allowed me to think things through at quite a deep level and you know I suppose clear writing is clear thinking being forced to write something down and write essays and uh, give presentations and so on it forces the need to say well what do I mean by this there's a sense that character education and flourishing and things like that they can sound quite um, vague, maybe a bit woolly sometimes if they're not thought through carefully. Um, but I, yeah, I suppose the MA has allowed me to, to kind of focus and think those things through and realize where there's evidence. You know, that we're not talking about something nebulous that's like a nice idea, but actually there's the Harvard Human Flourishing Project or the, the Penn Resilience Program or the Jubilee Center where I'm doing the masters. There's a, there's a, a welter of evidence for certain things that actually seem to work and seem to lead to better developed characters, better you know, human flourishing, uh, I suppose. And it's good to enlighten those uh, and have a sense that you're actually, you're, you're basing your ethos, your ideas, your uh, practice on fairly, fairly thorough evidence base. And the, 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 there's some security in that, isn't there? Um, rather than throwing ideas at and hooking the work. So. I know it's good to get that that context. I remember doing an MA many, many years ago, like you, part-time, um, full-time job. And it was hard. And you mentioned there it, it was hard. Do you have any tips or advice for any of our listeners who are practicing teachers and thinking, wow, that sounds fantastic. But how do you how do you manage studying for an MA and teaching full-time and having a position of responsibility. Do you have any advice? What my advice would be is if you want to study something uh, while you're doing a job, make sure you're passionate about it. That, that Like I'm interested in reading it. I can read things at night before I go to bed. It doesn't necessarily feel like work. Of course, there's a bit more rigor and focus involved when I have to write something, but I'm genuinely engaged in the subject. And had I not been, had this felt like, you know, uh, a fairly tedious bit of homework, then I'm not convinced I would have managed to keep going. Um, so yeah, be, be passionate about it. Uh, be willing to give up some of your own time to it. That seems like a necessity. Um, and if you can't, perhaps you can convince your line manager to give you a bit of space here and there uh, in the week to 
you know, to develop that. Ultimately, if you're being developed and you're taking that on yourself, the the school you're in should benefit from it. And I think there's an argument to be made that um, that, that that payoff could be recognised within your timetable. What I want to do now is to return to school. And could you talk us through, in your current school, how you've actually introduced character education? Because you've got this fantastic role, haven't you, being the lead teacher for character education. How, how have you gone about introducing it? So I guess a bit of history of the school I'm at. They, they've talked about character for a long time. They've never had a character education lead, but it's always been kind of part of their vocabulary. And I guess having a character education lead um, means that there is a bit more focus on this. What we've done is we've renewed the school's vision and mission and virtues. And uh, that's happened this year. So there's, you know, a good deal of messaging and branding and uh, become that that messaging and that vision becoming a bit a lot more apparent and spoken about in the school. So it becomes part of the conversations we have, becomes part of staff room conversations and uh, meeting conversations and chats with students. So first, I suppose there's an understanding of what the vision is, what the mission is, um, what we mean by words like virtue. We have to start with kind of virtue literacy. Um, in terms of programming that and how you actually go about developing it. I, I'm going to borrow uh, three nicely rhyming words from the Jubilee Centre. They say that character needs to be taught, caught and sought. So let me just kind of unpack those a little bit. Character taught would be building on the kind of virtue literacy type of stuff. So in, in the school, we have personal development lectures once a week and um, all students uh, this year, having a series of lectures on character development, what it means, or what do we mean by character, say, as opposed to personality, how our character, how is our character developed, what do we mean by these virtues, we want them to become conversant in those to be able to kind of um, map themselves onto this, this this idea of character and character development uh, and to become part of the conversations that they have with their teachers. You can also teach it, and I think should teach it through curriculum, not shoehorned, but quite authentically, if you're talking about characters in history or English or whatever, quite often, this is a good opportunity to say, you know, what, what virtue is being shown here? So I think it needs to be a bit, you know, it needs to permeate um, what we do in schools. Character sought, is probably um, the, I, I suppose, the most formative element. It is the experiences you have, uh, the experiences you have in co-curricular and going on trips uh, in, in the classroom. Your character is kind of always being shaped uh, to the good or not. And I suppose being deliberate about that. Um, we, we would seek to give people experiences that are going to shape them and develop them and that they could become cognizant of that, that they could um, reflect on those experiences uh, and be intentional about how they're going to move through them. Uh, and then character caught is talking about role modeling. Um, so you have role models in our culture, you have role models uh, in, in communities and in schools and in classrooms. And it's, I suppose, while it's quite a passive element, you know, there's someone over there that we can admire and we admire these things. The research shows that it has a considerable impact. So who do we want to, who do we want to say um, what they're doing is desirable? Uh, who they are is, 
in some sense, someone to aspire towards, because that seems to have real impact on people. It orientates them, orients them in terms of, um, I suppose, what they care about. Now, what, I think this is a this is a a significant point, but not one that's particularly easy to communicate. Is the the, the kind of character cult thing, um, schools. I believe that want to shape character need to cultivate an environment, a culture where there's a desire to be courageous. There's a desire to be honest and, and shaping that desire, I think probably comes from venerating the right things and the right people, having the right kind of role models. If you talk the talk, if you have it in your curriculum, if you have experiences, but actually none of those role models, no one, is exemplifying those virtues that anyone looks up to, I don't think it's going to succeed. So those three elements, a kind of tripod of character that you're teaching, um, that you're experiencing, and that you're aspiring towards, I think when they come together, when they can kind of harmonise in a school, then you can have real impact. What extent do you think all the things you're talking about there have actually helped pupils and teachers to cope more effectively with the pandemic? Because it's been a pretty tough 18 months, hasn't it? Has character education yeah. helped, helped at all? I don't know if I've got any evidence to, to throw at you on that. I would say it has helped in terms of character education. It needs people to become reflective, to step back from their lives, uh, to think about their mental and emotional and social well-being. And to th we often talk about like lost learning and all the things that people have been deprived of, all those experiences where their character would have developed. I think paying attention to that is really important, uh, is really vital. Uh, and, you know, these experiences that, that people have lost and the, may, the way perhaps one's normal trajectory of development has been skewed or uh, stagnated and arrested. Um, I think it... It's a, it's a very valuable thing for schools to focus on. We're going to be sending these young people out into the world and you know, next year or a year or two, and are they well equipped for it? Do they have kind of self-regulation? I mean, certainly the, the, um, the pandemic has had a lot of people staring at a screen for a lot of their lives. And that has, I think that's had deleterious effects on attention span, on ability to self-regulate, um, on the kind of things that they are taking in from the internet that we kind of wish they wouldn't. So I think character, whether it's made it easier or not, I'm not sure, but it, it, to me, has been a very pronounced thing in terms of its importance. I think it's a really valuable thing to focus on. I just wanted to come back to the article that you wrote for Virtue Insight, and I'm just going to read um, something back to you. We would like to tell a different story of what it means to flourish as both citizens and as individuals. So this was you talking about character education. Is it possible as, as we come to the end of our of our chat, just to expand on that? Sure. Um, so I suppose that the question is a different story, different from what, right? Well, what is the story that we want to uh, subvert in some ways? Um, and I guess my answer to that is there are some very significant influences on our culture that are that are shaping our young people and they're shaping us as well. I, I would say off the top of my head, um, consumerism, the attention economy, individualism. And I think all of these things, and, and there's more besides, right? They're, they're huge influences. They, they come through our screens, they come through our shopping malls, uh, they, they 
occur in our kind of friendship groups and things. I don't think they necessarily, I think quite often they don't lead to human flourishing. And so if we want to re-envision what it means to, uh, to be a successful human being, to, uh, to thrive, I think we've got to tell a different story, a more attractive story than, well, to me, I, I think this idea that when you're popular or when you are materially successful or when you have status, uh, all these things that actually deep down, we know that is not going to deliver for them in life. That is going to have them perhaps pursuing something that, you know, at best ends in disappointment, at worst, you know, depression. Um, and so I'd like to communicate to students a, a different story that says, oh, well, actually thriving means building really good relationships, being centered morally, spiritually, cultivating your, uh, your intellectual virtues. Something we haven't mentioned, but actually the intellectual virtues are a gift to teachers for developing kind of critical thinking, curiosity and so on. Um, so what I meant, back to the quote, is telling a different story of what it means to flourish is saying there's a there's a different vision of the good life than the one you are being sold by our culture and we'd very much like you to buy into it. Penny, I'm sold on it. I really am. <laughs> thank you, glad. Brilliant. Can I say thank you ever so much for joining me uh, today? It's been fascinating. Uh, we'll put some links in the show notes to uh, any articles or materials that you think uh, might be beneficial to our listeners. But it really has been good learning about character education and, as you say, focusing on perhaps a different story. Thank you ever so much. Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you. You have been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast with me, Susan Pallister, and this week's very special guest, Kenny Pimrose, and we have been talking about telling a different story through character education.